0: Is truly the root of the problem. A lot of the dilemma that we have in our lives, in what we call normal dilemmas, all I believe is rooted into the sense of being separate, which is the identification as a long lasting, independent, separate entity. Feeling that you're a body. It's not a it's a thought, but it's it's uh coated with a feeling. So this is a vague sense of being you. Just like sometimes you have a vague sense of not being okay. Yeah, It's an experience sometimes where you have a vague sense of paranoia. It's not specific, but it floats around. Well, there's another one prior to all of those vague senses, which is the sense of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. And the mental process is the producer of that. It produces a... uh, an idea to make sense of being alive, which is, you're alive, and the you is its making. Yeah? There's not a recognition that there's just life, there's a recognition that there's you that's alive, and that you is made up, it's conditional, it's contrived, it's formulated, it's in a very small paradigm, and it can't get out of that paradigm. That's why in recovery it says self can't get out of self. How could a product of a mental process ever transcend the mental process? It doesn't exist anywhere but in the mental process. Yeah. Most animals, when they see you, they don't see you as Paul or Jim or Mary. Yeah, they just see you. There's a scene going on. Well, so let's say the mental process... All right, well, first what recovery brought me to was the root of the problem was obsession with self. I don't believe that's the case. I believe that's the activity of the problem. It's when you're identified as a self, your mind is going to obsess over it because it's obsessing over it is what causes it to seem real. If you didn't think about you, it would be a very hard stretch to think there was a you if you weren't thinking about it all day, <laughs> literally. You know, the moments that you're not thinking about you are probably the best moments you ever had. Because then this life is going on uninterrupted or unmasked by this verb of mind called selfing. And it's brought to you through thought. This isn't like a broadcast up there? It doesn't sound like there's a narrator? Doesn't the narrator sound like it's you? It has your voice, but your voice isn't even your voice produced by vocal cords in a certain body. But because we're identified as this body, we think it's my voice. And I can hear, if I hadn't the thoughts going through my head and they were in stereo of your voice, I would have such an immunity to those thoughts. But if they sound like they're me, I'm entranced by them. I'm constantly, constantly interested in what they're saying. And yet it's the same old, same old. Year after year, after day, after day, after moment, after moment. Why, is, why am I so entrenched or so entranced by it? I think it's me. That's the whole dilemma. It's not the thought. The thought is not driving you crazy. It's, it's the identification as the thinker of the thought that drives us crazy. Because when this mental process identifies as a thinker of a thought, it injects meaning into that thought. And you are just a built, conditional, conceptual, belief, old idea, like, composite. It gets life by claiming whatever is going on. So let's say there's noticing of thought. You think you're the thinker of it. Or you think they're about you. And so there goes the thought. Thought comes in. And its nature is to go out. That's its nature. It comes. Do you ever... I do not know a thought from Oakland, someone's having a thought about me from Oakland, or sending it, I don't don't know when a thought occurs until I see it, yeah, in my head, the head is seen, and that thought, just as it came seemingly out of nowhere, will also go out of nowhere, but as soon as the thought is seen, and the mental process says, I'm the thinker of it, there is a bondage to that thought, the thought now becomes my thought, and it's usually a beginning of a story, that the head is going to tell you. Once upon a time, boom, I've known I've been no good since I was a kid. Therefore, someone who's no good cannot be loved. Therefore, I'm freaking super anxious that I'll never meet anyone. Therefore, even when I do meet them, I destroy it because my belief is I cannot be loved. So how can someone love me? And if they do, they must be total assholes because I know so much better about me than they will ever know about me. This is what mine does. Thought comes, there's an identification, I'm the thinker of it, that, that giant like library of conditioning. You have a lot of old ideas and a lot of beliefs and all this stuff. You don't have them, but they're there, and they get accessed. How do they get accessed? They get accessed when a thought is claimed as yours, that your represents tons of files, and now these files come up and inject into the thought. You believe the thought's bringing it to you. You're giving it to the thought through the act of identification. The thought is not bringing you any information. You're injecting it with the information. It's like a carrier. It's like a dump truck. You put something in it, and then it dumps into your life. And you believe it came from some outside place. It's not so. This belief system, the old ideas, all the conditioning that make up your idea of you because it cannot make up a real you. They're all ideas and concepts and thoughts and, and incidents put together in a very weird way. Yeah? Remember, you have to see self-centeredness. Self-centeredness means exactly that. Yeah? Everything is centered on self. I tell this story because it's, it, was, it has a pa- an impact on me. When I was young, my father got ill. My father used to hang out with me, play with me. I was the youngest of the, four, of the four kids. And he was in my life and playing ball with me and this and that. And then he got ill at six years old, when I was six years old. And he's had a sort of withdraw from all the activities because of his health. Now, I'm sure my mother sat me down and my relatives sat me down and maybe even a doctor came over and sat me down and told me, Hey, listen, Paul. Your father's really ill now. That's why he's not playing with you. And I could have heard the greatest demonstration and, and case for that, but in my little self-centeredness, I thought I must have done something to make my father not want to play with me. And it didn't matter how much information or how much talking went on my head, the way it caught it was, it ha- I have to have something to do with it. Nothing here happens unless it happens because of me. People don't like me because I'm bad. It's not like just people don't like me, but it has to be for some reason me, 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 me. That's self-centeredness. And it's a system of thought. Alcoholics and addicts are just extreme examples of that system. Everyone has it. You're looking at everything as how it pertains to you, and the you that it pertains to isn't you. That's the dilemma. That's the root of all the... all the unhappiness and the lack of joy and the seeking for love because you don't realize you are that love, all of that comes from this idea of being separate, being long-lasting and independent. You can't feel like life is happening through you. You have to see it as life is happening to me. It's always self-centered. It always has a fucking contrived view that blocks you out from all the other seeing. You just don't see I'm not, and I'm not excluding you. We just don't see. But I couldn't say that we don't see because I do see them, But not as a me. That's the good news. The seeing was always there, but when the me was identified as, that seeing became a way of looking. The seeing got sort of covered over by a way of looking. So seeing is sort of like an open aperture. A way of looking is like a tunnel vision. It's the same seeing, but the... Its its movement and its quality and its scope and depth is totally diminished. So seeing is happening right now. Like St. Francis says, what is looking is what you are looking for. It's difficult to believe that if you think you already know what's looking, Mary or Paul. That immediately... Deters the investigation because you think you already know what you are. So you you cannot entertain what's looking is what you're looking for because the last place you're looking for it is here. You're out there running around, aren't you? And this little life, this contrived dream presents symbols of it or something that represents it or let's say, you know, another formula of how You'll be happy, joyous, and free if you do this and get that and have this. That shall translate into you feeling what's looking. No, it doesn't, has it? There's a modality of mine called here and there. I like to use the little example of a a guy just sitting in this one-bedroom apartment, quite happy, you know, everything seems to be cool. And then he's, he's looking through a big magazine, and he sees this beautiful layout of a Couch, really nice couch. And as soon as he sees the couch, his mind starts wanting it with that incessant hope that something is going to deliver me from the unbearability of what I'm lacking, which is just ignorance. It's the the position of ignorance in your seeing that causes this seeking to constantly go, 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 go. You're never off duty. You're constantly seeking. Even in dreams you're seeking, the mind is seeking. So here it is. So I'm looking at this thing, and I go, wow, I'd really like to have a couch like that. Then I look around my apartment, and I realize I don't have a couch. And then I I set up the state of being couchless, which is really intensely bad, because I believe that if I had a couch, everything would be much better than it is right now, being couchless. Yeah. And then I go over all my friends who have couches, and I start resenting them. Why didn't they tell me that everything would be really much better if I had a freaking couch? I was totally in the dark about this, but this magazine has opened my eyes. So now, I want a couch. And it's not just that I want a couch, the mind starts advertising about the couch, that maybe I'll meet a girl. And maybe I'll conceive my first child on that couch. My whole family, which is going to be a great family. Like, I'm going to have seven kids, and they're going to take care of me until I die. And there'll be a big, like, movie about it. Oh, dad's going, but let's have one more weekend. Oh, this, and so my mind makes it so important, this damn couch. Just, just going off riffing, How incredibly, and of course, when that is entertained, the absence of it creates an exquisite suffering yes where a second before you were in the couchless room you, you you were quite happy but as soon as the mind believes that something is going to save it from this terrible couchless state yes and then that something isn't available what occurs exquisite suffering right now you're saying no to what's happening and withholding withholding, this moment, in this moment, with the expectation that I'll embrace that mythical there. When I arrive there, I'll be really let go. I'll be so free and this and that. It's all bullshit. It's just an advertising of the head. But there I am. So now I start wanting that couch. So I work for it, and I save up my money, Yes, and I'm going over the color schemes and really enthused, and I'm calling my friends. Hey, come on over. The couch is going to be you know, delivered next Saturday. None of them really want to come because they've been through the couch. They've had a couch delivered, and they didn't translate happiness, joy, and freedom. They got a nice couch. But I'm really excited, excited. And it doesn't matter because your obsession with you, you think it will be different for you. No matter how many times you've seen people get couches and realize, hey, it didn't really translate, they're still fucking assholes, but you believe that when I get the couch, it's going to really be different. You've got to see, because the illusion is so bogus, the only thing that makes it so intriguing is your gullibility. By being rooted in the idea of being special, you don't learn from other people going down the same path and not bringing any water back. You still think your pail is like the magical pail. When you drop it into that well, you're going to get that refreshing pail of water. Everyone does. It's called the root of self-centeredness. It keeps us immune to learning. We, We refuse to learn. Because I believe I can do the same thing that you did that fucked you up and it's going to be great for me. Oh, hey, Paul! Paul, don't get involved with that woman. No, no, no. Look what. Oh, yes, but it's going to be different with me. <laughs> it's like all fools always rush in. Yes, Jesus. So there I am. I'm working towards the couch, yes? and every moment that I'm in that couchless state, that moment is invalidated by my head. Yes. It's like ah, oh, this is just a, this moment. Its only purpose is a springboard for me to get to that couch. Yes. Yeah. Suddenly, all right, the day comes. They bring the couch. They walk in. I'm really excited. The mental, the mind will give you an excitement, but it's an excitement that's actually truly boring. Truly, really, truly. It's like the hopes of oh, it's like. The last time something came you really expected to deliver a great thing and it didn't work out, you've totally denied that and you still play that little kid again. Oh yes, oh the couch, yes, yes, oh and now see this is what happens. You don't learn. You just keep going back to the same well thinking water's gonna come up. Maybe if I throw the pail this way over this way. Maybe if I wear a different outfit, the pail will come. <laughs> So here, you are. here we are. We're, so now the couchers, couch arrives and I sit on it. And it's great. It's not even incredible. <laughs> and then I'm sitting there and I'm basking in the glory of couchhood, you know? I've got a couch. And all that hope, that incessant hope, is firing on all cylinders. Yes, I'll meet a girl I know tonight and I maybe get it. Yeah, I got a seven foot one, that's why. Seven foot one. <laughs> I planned it out really well. You know? And then uh, a few minutes later, I start feeling a little uncomfortable and I realize the rug doesn't match the couch. Yes? Yeah? So now I've arrived at the myth- mythical there that was going to make all these unbearable years okay. <laughs> and now, as soon as I arrive at that mythical there, it turns into a here. And now, now the rug is the there. Or well, the next girl, or the next job, or the next money, or the next bungee jump, or da 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 da. There's nothing wrong with money, jobs, girls, and bungee jumps. But to watch what the mind, the meaning that mind is giving those things. In all senses, they're like saviors. You're hoping to be saved. Now, that would be fine if you were apt to be saved, but you don't need any saving. So any type of trying to get saved is actually a form of bondage. That's the trickiness of this thing. So here I am in this here-there modality. This is just one aspect. I could go through many of them of this very, very archaic small system of thought and interpretation called self-centeredness. And we're all sitting here with that helmet on. Yeah, you may have a nice hairdo on it and whatever, or just painted something on it or it may have some nice branding on it, but it's still the same fucking helmet. So I don't see that the obsession with self is the real problem. I believe it's not deeper, but prior to, which is there's an identification as self. So that's why, so when you and I entertain to be free of self, all we do is, we can, the highest we can entertain is maybe getting therapy or socializing it because we can never entertain being free of it because we're identified as it. Your mind cannot transcend that belief. It cannot, that's why people kill themselves. They say, man, I am so driven crazy, I'm going to end it because I've got to kill this thing in my head. If they would entertain, I'm not that, they could have a freedom without that severity. And that's not a freedom anyway. You're not that. That's the good news. You have never been that, and you will never be that. You are not a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. I would say the consciousness or the awareness that informs your life is what you are. Now you hear those little notes playing, yes? That's pure hearing. Yeah. Like Lord Buddha said, when you see, see, or let's just use this, when you hear, hear. So now there's hearing. That's conscious contact. Consciousness is hearing. Your ear is not hearing, because you could be dead and you'd have a perfect ear, but there'd be no hearing through it. If they took that ear drum out and put on a live person, the hearing would occur. The ear is a facilitator for for a sound to be heard, but it's not what, hearing the sound. The eye is a facilitator for consciousness to see something, but it's not seeing something. The tongue is a facilitator for something to have an experience called taste, but it's not the tongue that's having that experience. And it's definitely not you, (laughs) because conscious contact comes before you. Even in the research now, when they do research about children, they're saying that the the baby, and I'm with the one a couple times a week, the baby for the first year and a half has no sense of separation. And definitely no sense of identification. It's just consciousness getting used to moving through an apparatus. Have you ever noticed them? When they come out of a nap, they're downloading. It takes a while to get here. You know, like... (laughs) They could entertain the leaving. They probably would. <laughs> they said, well, out of here. But they're stuck, seemingly, because of the identification of his st- body, because of whatever. But they've seen it. So there is the idea of being a self hasn't been with you since you were born. It was sort of something we grew into. Yeah, the mind grew into it. But what was there when you were born was consciousness, because you were in contact. You were seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. But there wasn't a story saying, I'm seeing. Because first of all, they don't even know any name yet. Yeah? And there wasn't any opinion, I shouldn't be seeing this, because there was no should or shouldn't. And they weren't recognizing beauty and ugliness yet, because there's no concept of beauty and ugliness. This is all what we grow into. This is the mental realm that's overriding the conscious contact. So now seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching is is held as I'm seeing that, I'm hearing this, I'm feeling, Jesus, that's a big one, I'm feeling this, I'm tasting that, I'm smelling this. And so the smelling, the hearing, the feeling, tasting, touching, are not really being given much value, but who thinks they're seeing, hearing is giving a lot of value, and what will be given some value. So the value has been moved to the poles of the seer and the seen, but the seen is being unattended to. So your interest and attention, which we have plenty of, is in the mental realm. Actually, it's like in a porno theater, really. Your mind is like a porno theater, definitely. Because Debbie's doing Dallas, or Dallas is doing Debbie. Something's going on up there all the time. And you're in this mental realm, and... You're not aware that you're conscious anymore. You think that you're conscious. That's different. You're not aware that you're consciousness. You think that you're conscious. The name that you've given this. You believe this is conscious. But all there is is consciousness. Consciousness is conscious of this. And it's also conscious of those thoughts that you as this is conscious. It's very conscious of that. But our emphasis in life is now on this side instead of on consciousness because we're identified as this. So consciousness is recognized as I'm conscious. It's a slight little bit of a change, but it's huge for us. So there's consciousness, but the mind has said I'm conscious. Yeah? and. If you ever go into this thing and study it a little bit or just entertain it, you may run into a word called duality or dualism. It's a very, to me it's a very big, big, big uh, bowl. It explains a lot. But in the mental realm, when there's an identification as self, the mental realm has some rules and laws, and one of them is duality. So there's either or, yes or no, hot, cold, Right? Inhale, exhale. Everything is like a movement. In and then out. Yeah? In and then out. Just like self-will usually creates its exact opposite intent. Yeah. So a life run on self-will, I really want to get this, creates exact opposite intent. You see in all, if you read government and everything like that, they're trying to stop terrorists. They actually produce more terrorists. It's just the way this place works. Yeah. So when you're seeking for this, it's the way you hide it, basically. The same movement. So here's the head. I'm identified as that, and I'm in that mental realm. And so now, when I see something, opinions arise. I say, I don't want to see that, or I really want to see that. And now the mind has a certain movement called it is it attracted to something, it desires it, or it has aversion to it. Yeah? So all day, the mind that is, the mind, the my mind, that is pristinely beautiful and neutral, like in recovery they say you'll be placed in a position of neutrality, now the surface of it is very turbulent because of the identification. And now there's a movement towards things and away from things. And after a while, there's a third aspect that you'll become indifferent, which isn't neutral, it's the mind's replication of neutrality, which is being indifferent, which is not neutru- neutral whatsoever. Yeah? So there's this movement now. So everything that comes up, your mind has an opinion about it. I didn't want to see that, but you did see it. Yeah. Or some people will have a feeling and go, "Oh, what should I do about the feeling? You already had it. It's, it actually has you. <laughs> you don't have the feeling. The feeling is basically having a you." <laughs> But so, this, this whole idea, when the conscious contact gets claimed and you, as this mental little action figure, take ownership of it, yeah? then all these different opinions arise from the conditioning of what you believe you like and don't like. And then beauty and ugly. And then everything sort of gets split. You don't see... The seeing now—you see the one who's seeing and what's being seen. Yeah? So everything, this giant field of seeing, now gets compartmentalized and cut and partitioned. And so now I have things I like to see and I have things I don't like to see. Things I want to hear, things I don't want to hear. Do do, do 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 and all the way, all that mental activity is just like a a, a dust storm to cloud the seeing. Because it's a very difficult thing, consciousness, to override because it's all there is. So the mental realm is like an incredible gymnast. It's constantly keeping itself distracted from the fact that all there is is now, let's say. And not now meaning in time, but there's never been a time other than this. This is all there is, yeah? But in the head, the head goes, no, 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 no. I'm gonna go up into my little mental realm and I'm going to entertain that there was a was and there will be a will be. Yeah? But you're only, no matter how much you're thinking about the future, you're doing it now. No matter how much you're remem- reminiscing about the past and the occurrence that's happening now, all of your antics as a mental, you know, the mind cannot escape yeah? this little three ring circus. So what it does is it sort of, makes an illusion of what it thinks is going on here. So now, most of us have much more importance in what's going to happen to me than what's going on now. And we tend to go and dwell on thoughts about the past with the idea, it's amazing, there's a lot of us sit here and we're so stubborn about free will, but you very rarely exert free will right now. You exert free will in your mental realm when you think about the past and the future. You go, if only I wouldn't have done that. If I should have done this. And you go off and it creates this giant realm that the mind can entertain. All these options that there's no options. There's no doing over. We can't just all leave now. Oh, let's do this over. I don't like the way this is going. All right, everyone out. Let's turn the clock back. All right, come back in. No, there's no doing over. It's bye-bye. Yeah, and the thing is, the concern about the future—you're like a great miracle worker. You really are. You're much more powerful than Jesus Christ, because Christ said that, uh, you know, he brought a guy named Lazarus, you know, from the back from the dead. But at least Lazarus was alive. You're bringing experiences of anxiety from what's not happening. You're worrying about something that has no no relevance or. Relativity or reality, and yet you're having an experience based on it now, in the body. You're anxious about something that's not happening. <laughs> you don't see the, the power of the mind in that? You can go, you can sit here, and you can be having the greatest day that you were hoping for your whole life. And the mind just has to take a little bit of a get on the magic carpet of possibility and fly into the future... And five thoughts about the future can piss on your parade right now. <laughs> it's happening. I'm seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, but it's no match to thinking. But I just, I can think that this is going to end and it's, it's ruined. <laughs> you have to see what you're devoted to. You've got to check out what temple you're worshiping at. You're worshiping at the temple of mind. It has no value about now. It only uses now to think about there and then. <laughs> to throw different ways of how it could have been better, or how it could have been worse, or how it's going to be terrible, and da, da, da. And so you have a sense of anxiety that we call fear. Yeah? But fear is a valid emotion. Fear happens in a, in a situation when something's happening now, and it scares you. That's fear. We're having the physiological effects of fear by produced by a mental anxiety about what's not happening. (laughs) Can you imagine? (laughs) If you went to a therapist and you sat there and you had an hour and and you started running about all these things you're worried about from what's not happening and they actually gave you a solid solution which is why not just see that it's not (laughs) happening? The 59 minutes you have free for the rest of the day. Wait a minute, no, I want to talk about it. But what do you want to talk about? What's not happening? Well, the solution to what's not happening is realizing it's not happening. That's it. Wait a minute. That doesn't give my mind much to do, does it? Exactly. No, I want. no, no, no. I'm not getting, I paid you for this 59 minutes. I want to go into, I'm really, really worried what's going to happen when my girlfriend leaves me. It's driving me crazy. Is she? Is she, Where is she right now? She's outside waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Let's go. Okay. So let's see. Let's take a good angle on this. All right. Your girlfriend is waiting for you right now, outside in the hall. But you're totally obsessed with that. She's gonna be leaving you. Uh, I think you got to come for about a year. It's gonna take a lot of work. Give me an advance check, or you can just say, "Hey, bro, sister, it's not happening." Can you can you taste it? Can you touch it? Can you hear it? You can only feel it because the mind produces thoughts that conjure up feelings. Yeah, but you can't see it, hear it, feel it, smell it. Yeah, I mean, taste it, smell it. It's not happening. But why is it that we have so much effects from what's not happening? What causes us to take what's not happening to be? Because this is the true deepest what's not happening. So for this to seem real, that has to seem real. It's like here, let's say we're in a meeting of waves. Everyone here is a wave. The underlying drive in all of us would be the denial of the ocean. Everything that we would talk about, about what it's like to be a wave, what it's like to be this all the drama and the importance of being the wave, for that to occur and be taken seriously, there has to be a denial of your oceanness. The solution isn't tailor-made for each personal wave. It's recognizing you're the ocean. It doesn't diminish the appearance of the wave. It just informs the wave that it's not the appearance. It's an ocean appearing as a wave. It is not an inherent wave. Yeah? Then you would see, you would see the problem by the solution. The problem is the ocean becoming identified as a wave. Because as a wave, you can believe you're freaking dry. You could be searching to get drenched and wet, and yet you're the wetness of all wetness may have a peculiar idea of what a tight wave you are, that you're never going to reach the shore, and you're never going to meet a seashell, and you're never going to miss <laughs> that. And you can go on and ponder all of this stuff about what it's like to be you as a wave, but the whole real solution is the recognition of oceanness, I would say. Not to get down to the root of what it's like to be a freaking wave, but to the root of what you are. Yeah? When we are invested in the specialness of being a wave, the underlying agenda of all the activity is to deny the ocean. And one of the greatest ways is to seek the ocean as a wave. It's one of the greatest way, ways to deny, the mind denies its oceanness is by seeking it as a wave. It's sort of like that ocean with a bubble over it. The bubble may long for being the ocean and really want to be the ocean, but it wants to be the ocean and know the ocean as a bubble. That precludes it from never happening. It's never going to know the ocean as a bubble, but hopefully, if something popped that bubble, that's the ocean. The recognition is immediate. There's no process other than recognizing what you're not. There's no process to be what you are. You are that. The process if there is one, is recognizing what you're not. When that recognition occurs, you are immediately ocean. You do not have to sort of, oh, let me look at pictures of ocean or... No, there's an immediate sense of what you are. The seeing is constantly seeing. It's just being interpreted as you looking. The whole interpretation is based on fact. But the interpretation isn't the fact. The whole interpretation is based on fact... You, there is looking, but that looking is seen. There is no you that's looking. Yeah? There are thoughts, but there's no thinker of them. There definitely are feelings, but you're not feeling it. That's, that's the leap from heaven to hell in a sense. There's feelings, there's thoughts, there's all of this... But then there's that leap into identification as the one who feels and the one who thinks and the one who has and the one who owns and the one who privatizes and the one who has a life and has a problem and this and that. As soon as that occurs, that's really the root of the problem. Problems will come and go, but the initial problem will always be there. Yeah. The problem of misidentification. It's like we go over with the space, the idea of space. It's just, I'm so hung up on it lately. I really like it. We do this thing with the chair. So here's this chair. Everyone notices it, yes? Let's say many, many special asses have sat on this chair. Maybe a lot of things have happened at this point of chair. Maybe people come here and look at the chair because a past master lived it, you know, sat in it or whatever. Okay? And it looks like there's a chair. Now what is this? We don't. Let's just call this space. Yeah? Okay. Now I'm going to move the chair. So here I move the chair. Now did I have to move any space in? And is there any showing of any effect the chair had except on other appearances? Maybe on the rug. Maybe if it hit this thing, it stopped it. But on space, do you see any? Any remnants of the chair's occupation of the space? Did I have to move any space in that the chair was taking up? If I did, I must be a magician because I moved it very quickly. Yeah. No, this is like the wave in the ocean. The chair is an appearance in space. Yeah. We are an appearance in space. What seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, and touching through us is not this; it's space consciousness, awareness, whatever you want to call it. And this, all of this, has absolutely no effect on space. The most heinous act that you and I have ever done, if I went back to my hometown and went to where I did it, there would be no marks on the space where I did that, even though i thought about it obsessively for year after year after year after year after year. No matter how much I think about it, it never conjures it up in space no effect on it, there's no scarring, yes? in a sense, you are totally irrelevant as this, and yet incredibly relevant as all of this. Yeah? So space, I would say, is sort of like the ocean. Here we are, appearing as waves, but in the appearance of waves, and the identification as a wave, it sets up an immediate denial of your oceanness. So now, your mind is looking for what scene. So now the wave is looking to get wet. And it may even fall upon a book about the ocean and dream of the ocean while it's the ocean every freaking moment. So there's a recognition of it. The first dilemma is, all right, this message goes off to you. Let's say the message is, you're a All right, so here's the message. You're a lion. So it's coming. You're a lion, 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 you're a lion. And it hits the ear. And you're identified as a sheep. You're a lion, you're a lion, you're a lion, you're a lion. As soon as it hits the sheep ear, what it it gets interpreted into, I can become like a lion. That's not the message. The message is you're a lion. You're a lion, you're a lion, you're a lion. I can become like a lion. That's not the message. The message you are the lion. When the lion recognizes it's a lion, it does not take three months of workshops on how to roar. It was, immediately Yes, its nature is immediately available. Because why? It's never gone anywhere else. Just because you're not perceiving it doesn't mean it's not there. As soon as there's a recognition, I'm not that, which the mental process is presenting as me and reinforcing with its narrative all freaking day, when there's an entertaining I'm not that, that is being what I am, which is conscious and aware. That's it. That's it. You've just been you just had a free sample. It's exactly like that. That's what it's like. And then when all when your attention, because the reason why you're so attentive to what you're not, is you're identified as it. Seriously. When you recognize I'm not that and maybe just start entertaining it some of the intention and interest that your mind has been giving to that will be withdrawn. And it will go somewhere else. Maybe into life more. And like in recovery he says, you'll lose interest in yourself and gain interest in others. It's just a natural dualistic movement. You're so absorbed this way, you recognize you're not that, what happens? The attention goes the other way. It's, it's just dual duality. It's Another example of movement here. So here you're so absorbed in this, when you realize I'm not that, that, all that intention and interest goes out. Maybe, and it falls upon others. It's not like you chose to be more interested in others. That would be a form of being self-interested. No. It's just a natural consequence of coming out of the ass of self. Yeah? You pop out, and now you're available. And when you're available, you sense a presence. Of what? Of that which is always available. Why is it always available? Because it cannot not be available. That's its nature. It's everywhere. Yeah? It's everywhere. <laughs> We're sitting in our little special somewhere, with our little gated community. And uh, you have to attain, really, the identification as a special somewhere is the deterrent to recognizing everywhere. No matter how much you study it as a special somewhere, you're not recognizing everywhere because everywhere is everywhere. There's no special somewhere to have an experience of everywhere. There's no place you could start to look for everywhere, because it's everywhere. There'd be no, how could you say what was the beginning of the journey to everywhere, and what was the, you know, the arrival of the journey? Because there's no, where would it start? Everywhere. Where would it end? Everywhere. At what time would it start? All time. And what time would it stop? All time. Shit, you can't get out of it. That's exactly right. That's the message. You can't get out of it. That's the beauty of it, Yeah? all the shenanigans that you believe that are informing you of how separate you are, all your perceptions, yes, I'm here and that person's there. and I'm separate, damn it. I'm having private thoughts. I'm having this. I have private feelings. I'm the only person who reacts to life this certain way. That should have been blown out of water when he came to recovery. Because when you're sitting here in a group of people and they're sharing their thoughts... (laughs) their feelings and their reactions, they sound pretty familiar, don't they? That's why we identify with them. Because, hey, they have my thoughts. They have my feelings concerning life. And they definitely react the same way I do. How did that happen? Because (laughs) they had never been yours. They're just one form of self-centeredness called alcoholism. Yeah? I don't identify with who you are. I identify with what's taking you over. Because the same thing took my mind over. Alcoholism, And it shows the same traits in everyone who's been taken over. If you go around the world, you'll you'll identify with someone in India, just as much as Indonesia and England and Scotland and Ireland and here. And then a sort of a normal person will come in here, we'll break one of our jokes about some gruesome event, and we're all laughing, and the person's like, I can't believe they're saying this in public. They don't identify. Yeah, that's all. They don't identify with the mental process that's taken us over. They have the same one, but we have, we're an extreme subdivision called alcohol. It's gone a little farther than they used to.
1: <laughs> so they tend, they of
0: course, because they want to be separate and different, that they're different. But basically, it's just an extension of self centers run wild. And it's, yeah. So you see, this thing that you're calling you is just a... <laughs> you know... Like alcoholism, can you take an X-ray and see it? Can can you? Is it somewhere in the body? Can you actually picture it? All right, just like cancer, they take a test. Do they? You know, it's not because it's in thinking. It's in the mental process. And if the mental process is what's informing you and reinforcing the you all day, if it's infected with alcoholism, you're probably going to have what you call an alcoholic self. Why wouldn't you? So, instead of being obsessed with yourself, you'll be extremely obsessed with yourself. Instead of, you know, being somewhat neurotic, you'll be incredibly neurotic. You'll have a huge sense of entitlement. You'll have all these things. They're just different degrees, but it's the same system. Yeah? Alcoholism has just amplified the system of self-settingness. That's what it does. We have that disease. It amplifies it. So, we're more insane than most. But in a sense, that's wonderful, because hopefully we can be thoroughly convinced that any life run on self-will is not going to be successful. We can be thoroughly convinced that self is what has defeated us, because we've gotten our asses royally kicked. We can be thoroughly convinced that a power greater than myself can do for me what I can't do for myself, which is get out of self. How can self get out of self? It's impossible. The whole real recognition is you'd realize you would never been a self, that's quote-unquote getting out of self to me. I don't have to try to get out of something that I have understood I could never have been in. (laughs) It's just much quicker than trying to get out of something. (laughs) Really it is. Recognizing you could not have possibly been ever in it, that's much faster than trying to get out of it. That's what this message really is. It saves you a lot of time because it's not time-based. It's not based on doing and having. It's based on entertaining what you're not. And in that, when it rings true for you, that's being what you are. It doesn't take a second. You don't have to go into any process. You can continue to do what you like to do. Meditate don't meditate. It doesn't really fucking matter. It's quite nice. As soon as I see I'm not that, that's what I am. Conscious. And after a while, because of its allness and wholeness and context, your emphasis and attention will leave the content and move into the context. First of all, because it's much more reliable. And second of all, because it's so. Appearances come and go, waves come and go, but the ocean is always the mother and father of every wave. Without the ocean, there'd be no waves. So to know that is like a really, really cool idea. I call it traveling lighter. saves you a lot of suffering. Because your mind will produce exquisite suffering. It will, hasn't it? It'll seem so real to us, doesn't it? And then you'll call other people up to co-sign it. And you'll get together and complain and bitch, and it seems as real as real can be. It's just like sick, begetting sickness. Yeah, you'll get a couple of votes, but look, at you've lost the election, really. Because you've elected yourself to be a self. Oof, incredibly painful. Because you have to be right. A self likes to be right. Even if it means a lot of suffering. Even if it means that you get your ass royally kicked, at least you'll have a story that they did it to me. I'm right. <laughs> I'd rather be done with that than travel out of yeah. Maybe you're youthful, so at the the old... As you're getting getting older, you realize I I can't be fucking around like I used to, wasting time thinking all (laughs) day. I I mean, I don't want to have this giant I really miss life, a life I was never even in. How could you miss it? I, I like to be conscious. I'm curious about it. I like to check it out, see what's happening, actually. I like to see what's happening instead of just taking the I, you know, it's like going inside like the herd animals. You know, they're all going to the trough, and you know, some some of them, sometimes they open, they, open, they look up and they stop. The whole train gets a little disrupted. And I love to see the cows just go, "Fuck it, and move!" You know, I'll starve better than doing this tired. We'll see what happens. So, any questions? Yes. Marcus. Yes. In a sense, yeah. So let's say consciousness has come... I don't know why its purpose is, so don't really take that. It sounds good, though. But I don't know. All I have a sense of is this is sort of like a telescope. and Consciousness is not of this realm, in a sense. This is an appearance. It's real. So for it to appear here, it has to come through... In other words, for it to make an appearance or have an experience in the dream, it has to come through a dream object. So it comes through this dream object. Like Jesus says, you're in this world, but you're not of it. So you're in this dream as a dream object. And so as a dream object, a dream tiger is going to scare the shit out of me. But if I wake up, it's not going to scare me, because I realize it's a dream tiger. So consciousness can only know itself here. It can't experience itself. So it can make itself seem to be other, and then have an experience. It can never experience itself. How could all there is ever experience itself? There have to be all there is something else. Yeah. So consciousness is coming through here, and through this, let's say it's undifferentiated light awareness, and then it comes through here, and this is this apparatus with the mind and everything is like a set of uh, lenses, and it. It changes the undifferentiated, like to appear to be differentiated. Yeah? So now all there is is that, but it's appearing as this and that and that and this and this and that. So all there is is that is seeing itself as this and that and that and this and this and that and, that and this. Yeah? But now, for many of us, that mind that reflects that reflects that consciousness has become identified with a mental process. So now it's reflecting. It's forgot that the consciousness is what it is. It's now thinking itself to be this idea the mind has given it. And so now, when the consciousness is moving through the apparatus, the mind is claiming the consciousness as I as the apparatus is conscious. So there's been a set of ignorance. Consciousness is not unconscious. It's totally conscious. It's the mind that's reflecting it. It's reflecting it as a self. So... Let's say the mind, can, the big mind, like in Buddhism they say ordinary mind, enlightened mind, are the same mind. Yeah. Same mind. Ordinary, enlightened, are the same mind. So there's the mind. And the mind has many qualities. One of them is entertaining. So it can, it can know serenity and comprehend peace. There's no problem with any of that, because it's that. Yeah? So let's say the mental process presented an idea. Hey, I'm this. Yeah? What would happen if the mind... Its attention went to that, yeah? And it got drawn into the idea that, oh, I am what the mental process is saying I am. I am Paul. I am this, yeah? Now that consciousness and its ability to entertain peace and serenity and love, yes, yeah, would now have to entertain everything as a self, yeah? So now, being the self, it can't entertain that it's peace because it's self. So it has to entertain peace as something the self will get. Yeah? So the recognition of peace will be based on what the self does or has, but it will never be an instant recognition I am that, because you already believe you're something, which is self. Yeah? So the mind's ability to entertain is now enslaved to entertaining everything from the point of view of a self. That's why its suffering is so exquisite. It's not the advertising. The advertising. When you're when you're clear, you see it is so bogus, don't you? But when you're seemingly unclear, it seems so exquisitely real. That's not from the advertising. It's from the mind that's entertaining it. Because that mind that's entertaining it is unbelievable. It can entertain separation, which is what it's doing right now. Yeah. Why do you believe this has such a sense of realness to you? And yet at times it seems so unreal. It's because the mind is identified with this mental process. The mental process doesn't have the ability to make this place seem real. The mind that's entertaining this place gives it, has the ability to make this place seem real. Yeah? So the mind is now, instead of seeing like this, it saw this idea, I'm a Paul, and it became identified as that, and all that seeing now is looking as Paul. Yeah! And that's the dilemma. So now Paul will go, oh, I want to know God. And so I'll turn my seeing, which is God, to look for God, which is the greatest way to hide the fact that God is all there is, if you want to use the word God. Yeah, it's so incredible at what it does. Yeah? That's why they say it's an open secret, meaning what's this open secret? Not a secret. A gateless gate. Where would you enter? Who, what toll booth would you pay if it was the gateless gate? You would just drive right through They give all these little statements about the truth. It's, you know, right underneath your nose. What's looking is what you're looking for. Every breath, every breath is prior to that. They're just trying to inform us of the immediacy of it. You are that right at this very nanosecond. But not as you. The you projects you into time, and this becomes projected into space as something over there that maybe I'll get. Or maybe I won't. So you actually can live here and believe that you can live a life not knowing God. If you want, I don't like to use the word, but let's use it as everywhere. How could that possibly be? But the mind can entertain that. It can say, "All right, I'm everywhere, but I can actually act like I'm a special somewhere, and in that special somewhere, everywhere will have no importance to me." Doesn't it seem like that? Just like gravity. Who, who today went to a cafe and heard someone talk about gravity? The effects of it. Oh, it's very heavy on my shoulder. No. It's a force that's constantly felt as a body, but you're not aware of it. Where you never recognize with this identification of self all there is. It doesn't see it. If there was an everywhere, and that everywhere had a sense of presence, why aren't you bumping into it? You must believe you're in a special somewhere, and a special somewhere is a special someplace called this, where we can live as if everywhere doesn't exist. (laughs) What could produce that movie? Not the thing, not the screenwriter, because it's bogus, it's sort of really, but what's entertaining it? The mind that's entertaining separation is what gives it such a beautifulness of it. Oh, this seems so exquisitely real, doesn't it? My body hurts. I can't have what I want. You are definitely that, and I'm definitely this. This is what the perceptions tell you all day. It's like the dream maker. So, I don't know. I'm going to start, but I'll pass the basket what eh? with a hat. So we have meetings Saturday, Mondays, and Wednesdays until August 11th. Then we're going to be away for a couple weeks. So um, if you want, if you're interested in it, it's always available at all times Monday, Wednesdays, and Saturdays. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, zenbitchlap.com. Go to zenbitchlab.com. Tons of all you can download. Tons of all if you like. If someone's new and doesn't have a computer or something, I have a I have a couple of CDs um, from a talk I liked in New Jersey I did at the beginning of the year. It's one of the sweet that one one twenty eight. I really like that one. Is it on your website? Yeah, it's on the website. You can download it. it I'm just saying, if you don't have a computer, I have, I have some CDs. I have a question. Yeah. So, I'm wondering, somebody who is less self-serving, <coughs> more outside themselves, are they going to have an easier time accessing the reality of what, you know, what we're talking about? There's no rhyme or reason with it. No rhyme. I don't know. I have no idea. There's really nothing you can do. I know that sounds corny, but it's true. You'll be doing things, but it's never been you doing it anyway. But there's really nothing you can do. <laughs> that's, that's the dilemma, I guess, if you're based in doing and having. You're going to be thwarted. Yeah. So no, I don't have any kind of format. Or I don't think anything is rote. Everywhere, obviously, can appear everywhere as any way he wants. Yeah, you can you can look at what you're not. So I like that. That's a meager. Yeah, that's I like and repetition of the message. I don't mean me. Just this idea, because the mind is entranced with a lot of messages of being a long-lasting, separate, independent entity. It doesn't do it any harm. Even if it doesn't make you everything like that, you'll definitely travel later, yeah. And obviously, as a self, that's a great advantage. Isn't that the dilemma you're seeking for every day? Like, I want like to... I, you know, people want everything to get better, but just as they are. <laughs> you know? Or you want an improved self. So, in a way, this will give you an improved self, if you want to look at it that way. That's not its point.